the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, we are continuing the message we began yesterday, one that tampers with your wallet a little bit. Now, please remember, it's not us that's tampering. It is the Word of God that's doing the tampering. So stick around as we are encouraged, understanding Jesus and our money, here on Abounding Grace. Mention money in Christian circles and everybody runs for the hills with wallets in tow. We always want to protect what is ours, and it seems to us to be an offense that God would want to take something that we have. The fact is, everything we do have is something that God has given us to begin with. None of it is ours. Today, we continue our look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 through 19. Jesus and your money is the title of our message. Join us, won't you, for Abounding Grace. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. God is light, in him there, and in Him there is no darkness at all. He is resplendent in light. So if you can see Him at all in heaven, it will be because He will reveal Himself to you. It says, He dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has seen or can see. Does that mean you won't ever get to see God? Is that what that means? No, because the Bible says we will see Him. When He appears, we will see Him as He is. And we will be like Him by the power of His that makes Him master of everything that is. But what that is getting at is no man can see God or ever will see God if he thinks he will be able to see Him purely through human experience and the senses, which is every unbelieving man, woman, and child. You can see a rock sometimes when you want to. You can go up in the mountains and pick up a rock and see whether it wants you to or not. And you can tell it all kinds of things about the rock, whether it wants you to tell anything about itself or not. But not God. You will not see God unless he chooses for you to see him. And praise the Lord, he is a God of light who does reveal himself to his People. So Paul says, after realizing all these things, to God be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. A God like this deserves all of the honor and all of the worship this puny little human being can give him. He deserves all of the adoration and all of the praise this pathetic, sinful human being can give him. He is deserving of all honor and he's deserving of eternal dominion. That is the eternal display of his lordship over every area of life. 
That is what Paul is saying here. He is saying, hallowed be your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. That is what he is saying here when he says all honor and eternal dominion come to you. Amen. You know, amen comes from a Hebrew word and translated into English means that's the truth and I believe it. Paul is saying, I believe this. This is not something that I've thought up about God. I'm not telling you my own opinion about God. I'm telling you about this God who shined his light into my heart and helped me see him as he really is. And then made me totally dependent upon him. So the more you know about God, the more you're going to want to praise him. The bigger your God gets, if he is the God of scripture, the more you're going to want to praise him. So how does Paul get from verse 16 to verse 17? Probably wondering where that title came from, Jesus and your money. I've gone through most of the sermon and we haven't even touched on it yet. Paul has just given this outstanding doxology. This outstanding outburst of praise to God for his unique Godhead. And then he says, also instruct those who are rich in this present world. So how did he get from God, who lives in unapproachable light, to giving instruction to rich people? It is because he wants Timothy to tell rich people where their riches really lie. Timothy was pastoring this little church, and apparently there were some rich people there. And a rich person, biblically speaking, is someone who is considered to have more money than most people. Possibly even more money than he needed. He has worked hard, made good investments, most likely has gold and silver and property. He's not an average person when it comes to the wealth that he possesses. Now, there were some slaves in that church. There were some poor people in that church. There were some people, I'm sure, who wanted to be rich. And there were rich people, all happily in the same church. And he says to Timothy, I've told you how great God is and all of the riches of salvation we have in him. Now, you be sure to instruct the rich people in your church who are rich in this present world, that is, they have material wealth, not to be conceited. Tell these wealthy people not to pat themselves on the back and attribute their success to themselves. Teach these wealthy people not to fix their hope on the uncertainty of their riches. They've got a lot of money, most likely a big bank account. They have lots of investments. They have lots of precious jewelry. They own a lot of property. Make sure they understand that those are all gifts from God and not to fix their hope on them because they are uncertain. What the rich people made today, they can lose tomorrow, beloved, particularly in this day and age. That's what Paul was telling them. Teach them not to fix their hope or put their trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in God, no matter whether they are rich or poor. 
help them to trust in him alone because he richly supplies us with everything we need to enjoy him in this life. And that's what is most important. And instruct these rich people to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. You know, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout history, there have not been many rich, rich people. There have been some very, very rich people, but there have been few. And praise the Lord for rich Christians. The Bible says, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the low and the base to confound the high and the mighty. So God's church throughout the centuries has been mostly your average or beneath your average people. Even slaves and hardworking Joes. But there were some who were rich. Not many, but there were some. And there were some in Timothy's church, and Paul says, tell these people to be thankful for the riches God has given them. Tell them not to trust in their riches. He can take it from them as quickly as he gave it to them. Tell them to put their hope in him and tell them to be rich in good works or to be more concerned being rich in good works than to be rich in the things of this world. In other words, he's saying, tell these people who have some money and wealth, so much more money than the, and wealth than the average person to spend it. And their, spend it and their time doing good works. They are even more accountable to use their money, their energy, their ingenuity, their strength, their talents to do the works that are pleasing to Almighty God, whether they are pleasing to man at all. Now, what are some of these good works? Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. If God made you rich, do you know why he did? It is so you can give more money to the church than the person who is not rich. That's why. God didn't make you rich because he wants you to be comfortable and at ease and affluent. God made you rich so that you could give your money to the church and the kingdom of God. You are accountable to that. A Christian, all Christians, are to work hard. And then he is to take a tenth of his profits and give it for the advance of the church and the conversion of the world. A tenth. Then, if this were a Christian nation, he is to pay very small, a very small tax. You know, the only tax that God gives a civil government, the authority to levy, is a head tax. And it is not ever to be more than what we pay God with our tithe. Every other tax, every other tax in the United States is not only ungodly and forbidden by God, but it is determined, it is detrimental to the family. The only tax the civil government is allowed by God to levy is a head tax where every head of every family pays the same amount. Not the same percentage, but the same amount to such a tune that no one ever complains because it is so low. You say, but Pastor Gary, 
Are you saying that the federal government can continue to exist on a tax program that small? No. It can't exist as it is, with all of its tentacles reaching into our lives. But those tentacles need to dry up and fall off. And the rest of the money that the head of the household spends is for his family and the advance of God's kingdom. But if God has blessed you with more money and more property and more wealth than the average person, it is because he wants you to spend more of that money in the work of the church and the advance of God's kingdom. Verses 18 and 19. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now, what does that mean? Is he saying that money is a good foundation for the future? No. He used phrase like this, phrases like this earlier. He says in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Take hold of eternal life. That is manifest in your life, in your behavior, in what you do, that that eternal life that God gives to you, Christians, belongs truly to you. Strengthen your assurance of salvation. And now he is saying, store up for yourself, rich people, the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that you may take hold of that life indeed so that your assurance of salvation can be strong. Now, what is the treasure of a good foundation for the future? It is a life rich in good works. Because someday when we stand before God, we are going to have to give an account of ourselves. And we are going to be judged by all the works we have done. Not because good works saves us. But good works are proof that there is real faith in us. Someday you're going to stand before God and he is going to look at your life and ask, what are your good works? An unbeliever can't present any good works because he, can do, he cannot do anything whatsoever to please God. So he's going to hell. But if you are a Christian, even though you haven't been a great Christian, you can show these things that you have done in your life that you would never have done if you weren't a Christian, if God hadn't given you the power to do them. And God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. These good works prove without a doubt that you have faith in God. So Timothy you tell rich Christians not to put their trust in riches, but to understand they are to be rich in good works and to be generous, ready to share, so they can store up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation in the future at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does that remind you of something Jesus said? Remember, don't store up for yourself riches on earth. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, I'm going to read you a long passage in Deuteronomy. I, I promise you I won't commit on, comment on every verse. But I will say, if everything was normal, 
If everything in our culture was approaching what it should be and was submissive to Christ, there would be more wealth, more prosperity, far more than even the Republicans could imagine with all their half-wit programs. If everything is what it should be. Things are not what they should be. Therefore, in this evil culture, all Christians do not prosper. Some do, many do not. So it is in that context that I want you to listen to chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Now, Israel wasn't prospering at this point in time. They had to go through 40 years in the wilderness. And why does God give us wilderness experiences? Why does God put us in situations where we become very needy, where we're not making enough money that we need to make to provide for our family? Our lives are not as healthy as they should be. Things are not going well for us. Let's see. Chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. This is the word of God. First verses 1 and 2. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. That's why we have wilderness experiences. That is why we have hard times. That is why we go through dark valleys. That's why Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God says, I have promises for you, but right now I'm going to humble you because you are not ready for the fulfillment of these promises. So I'm going to test you to see What is your heart? What condition is it in to see if you will obey me in really difficult situations? Verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. What proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord? His word. And man does not live by bread alone. That is not the most important thing in life. The most important thing in life is the word of God by which you and I are supposed to live. Verses 4 through 9. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son, church, in America. Thus you are to know in your heart the Lord your God. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God 
He's bringing you into a land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. You obey me through this wilderness, Israel, church of God. You humble yourself. Show me that you believe in me even in the hard times. And I will lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. I'll give you a great future, American church. Verse 10 through 17. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that, you might, that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. I'm successful and in a good economic condition because of American exceptionalism. Why are we such a great nation? Is it because of American exceptionalism? God says, or asks, do you believe that? If you do, my friends, you are going to stay in the wilderness until you understand the truth. As long as you think it is because you are an exceptional person, that you have that comfort and ease and affluence, and not because of me, says God, you are going to stay in the wilderness, and you will not get to the land flowing. With milk and honey. Look at verse 17 again. Otherwise. You may say in your heart. My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who's given you power to make wealth. And he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers. As it is this day. Why do we prosper? It is because God is exceptionally good to this depraved, utterly undeserving land. And once we learn we are blessed because of an exceptional God, and we turn to him, he will give us a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Beloved, we ain't seen nothing yet. Listen to verses 19 and 20. It shall come about, if you ever forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish, American church, because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. And that is the truth, beloved. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, help us to listen to your voice. Help us to believe you when it is hard to. Help us to obey you even when we are walking through the wilderness. Help us to believe that by your grace and mercy, you have a great future in store for those who are your people. We pray that you will make us faithful and keep us faithful. Bring us to repentance and keep us believing and obeying you through the dark times, knowing that you shall lead us into the land flowing with milk and honey. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.